Indigenous podcast series, Privileging Indigenous Oral Traditions, Past, Present, and Future, may bring up feelings of concern for people that are listening. The Indigenous podcast series speaks to issues of concern for Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people in Canada. If you are an Indian residential school survivor, or you are the descendant of an Indian residential school survivor, and feel that you would benefit from discussion with a counselor or someone providing support following this podcast, please call 1-800-721-0066, which is the Indian Residential School Survivor Society, and ask for support. Again, that number is 1-800-721-0066. For students that may experience feelings of upset as a result of uh, the information provided uh, on the podcast, please know that uh, the counseling office is a respectful and safe atmosphere. Hello, everyone. My name is Chu Ying, and I'm one of the interviewers for our um, Indigenous podcast programs. And our program's name is Indigenous Past, Present, and Future. So today our guest speaker is one of my instructors who teaching the learning from land for to me last semester and she she name is Laura Grizzly Paws. And to me she is a wonderful indigenous knowledge keeper and she is a wonderful educator and a wonderful instructors that's given me the chance to learning about indigenous cultures land and the languages. So today I'm going to discuss with Laura about indigenous language revitalization. As an international student, I can strongly feel like uh, feel the connections between the culture and languages and it's a really important thing for indigenous people to keep their languages according to the United Nations uh, 10-year decade indigenous language realization. They keep the 10 goals for indigenous people to keep their languages. So we want to like talk this kind of topic deeper and further in our podcast programs and I hope you guys will like it. And Laura, could you please introduce yourself? My name is Laura Grizzly Paws. My ancestral name is Tlethalimkin, which means Grizzly Paws. I'm from the Shtatlimk Nation um, and from the small community called Hoistin, which is known as the Bear Clan community. And I'm here at uh, Thompson Rivers University as the Center of Excellence Learning and Teaching uh, faculty department. So I work with the faculty members providing indigenization content and support and training and facilitation to our staff and to the TRU community here. But I'm also a sessional instructor where I teach uh, learning from the land course to MED students as well as indigenous language that we teach to language learners here at Thompson Rivers University. 
Okay, before the interview officially began, um, can we take a little bit like longer session here to uh, teach our about your languages, like what you uh, like what you taught us in class about introducing yourselves and where you're from and the family members. Okay, so primarily the role that uh, we took in our MED learning from the land course was introducing language to our MED students. And primarily students were to introduce who they are through Schlafen Kitsch. So learning the significance of language was a part of the learning from the land course because the language is really rooted in the land and the land um, defines and determines the language an indigenous cultural group speaks. So from the learning from the land in the MED class, uh, students were required to learn how to introduce themselves in Stadt and Kitsch. For example, if I was to introduce myself in, in Stadt and Kitsch, Laura Inskwachicha. So of course, Laura is my name. Inskwachicha. Squatchich is name. Inskwachich. Inskwachicha is my name. Inskwachicha. So the N refers to mine. It's an ownership. So Laura Inskwachicha. And I would say where I'm from. So, Shtatlin Mukhkan, I'm from the Shtatlin territory. And Khoistin Mukhkan, that's the small community I'm from. Khoistin Mukhkan. So, Mukh means from that place. Kan is I. I'm from that specific place. Or if I were to say in Shamach, I could say Luluit Mukhkan. So, basically, I'm saying I'm from Luluit. And, um, so students were required to introduce themselves in Schlappinkitsch. Ketwa'o or Ketwa'alap. Ketwa'alap is a plural for hello to everybody, acknowledging everybody. And Ketwa'o was an acknowledgement to one person. Ketwa'o versus Ketwa'o. So everybody had to learn how to acknowledge and greet everybody. Ketwa'o, Laura in Squatchicha, Lolowet Mukhgan. And then I'm from Lolowet, but yet I'm not living there. So I'm physically living in the Tukumluch Tishwatmuk territory. So I would say Lata Tukumluch Swanwet. But I'm basically saying is that I'm living here in this territory, uh, in this region. So Keshwa'o, Laura and Squachicha, Mkhoistin Mkhgan, Shlatyung, Lata Tukumluch Swanwet. And then from that, students were required to introduce their family. So we continued to build on introductions every day, every class that we had engaged into. Students were required to introduce and build on it. So they introduced their parents, their mother, their father, their grandparents, their grandmother, their grandfather. If they are a parent, then they introduced and identified who their children were. And along with that, they also extended to their siblings if they had siblings. So for myself, it was Kefwa'o. I don't really have a father, but I have an adopted father. Um, so, Ronnie Lester, Tat, and Chikachiza, with um, Henry Thavarj. And so Shkatsa is father, in Shkatsa, my father, so the N is ownership, and Kukwa is grandmother, 
Alashinta, Na Nkwikwa, Nelson Terry, Na Nshpapsa. So the Na is an absent. So students had to learn what was present and what was absent. So we would say Na for absent. And so Alashinta, Na Nkwikwa, Mutesh, Nelson Terry, Na Nshpapsa. Those are my grandparents. They both passed away, so we use the Na. And from that, I introduced, we also introduced our children. So I have three children, so three sons. Mechakin, Shkultapish, Mutesh, Bokita, I, and Shkayokhashkuza. Shkayokhashkuza is sons, refers to sons. So I have three in Kafitsha. So Mechakin, Shkultapish, Mutesh, Bokita, I, and Shkayokhashkuza. Needs Shulialish, the Grizzly Paws, Ta, and Shmutlachkuza. Shulialish is my daughter. And um, so from that, every day, every class, in students introduce themselves in the language. And then from that, they learned about the significance of language and how to build on that during their presentations. So before presenting their oral presentations, they had to introduce who they are, where they're from, their family, their lineage, and then start the final presentations. Yeah, as a student, I could um, say that what I learned from that classes, because I was strongly feel that the, those kinship and a family ship is really important to indigenous peoples and indigenous cultures, and your families, your community members is like the, the one who like build you up and always continues with you. So with those kind of like introductions, you decide, like land decided who you are, where you raised up, and your family is just someone who like back you up. And I think this is really like important to me. This is a, kind of like the first lessons I learned from indigenous culture mm -hmm. is that always recognize who you are and always recognize who will behind you as your families and your communities, and you're not alone. Mm -hmm. you're, you're always connected with someone. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So it's the core of, of your wellness. Your foundation is your mm -hmm. family, your community, the nation, and your territory. Yeah. Yes. Those connections is really important root for indigenous culture. Mm -hmm. Let's move to the first questions. So um, could you tell me a little about your journey becoming in language educators or of the language and your, what, what your motivations are, like why you want to become a language educator, why do you want to do language revitalizations to the communities? Because I remember from one of your speech is that you believe that the indigenous language revitalization is really important no matter what kind of indigenous language you're speaking, which community you're in, this is also like the first part and it's also the root to like revise indigenous culture. So I really want to know what your motivations are and how your journey began. Okay, so primarily it goes back to my grandparents and being inspired by my grandparents was something that really grounded me with my cultural identity. And I honestly believe that's what saved me and brought me back to the core principles and values of being Indigenous and fulfilling that role as a matriarch. And uh, when I think about language revitalization, it's not just language. It's uh, 
embodies a whole wealth of knowledge of identity, uh, cultural sustainability, and preservation of who it is that we are as unique, authentic, original peoples. And language was something that was always uh, very inspirational to me when I would hear elders speaking or when I would hear even other uh, cultures, cultural groups, ethnicities speaking their own language. That inspired me to, to work harder to, to learn my own language. And when I think about the situation of our language loss and the number of fluent speakers that we're losing within our own nations amongst Indigenous peoples, especially within my own cultural group, is that it's, it's really saddening. It's really disheartening. And to recognize and to see the numbers declining before my eyes, it, it uh, instills fear. So that itself is a motivating factor um, to come to a point of envisioning that a language no longer exists other than what's documented or recorded is really fear-based. That instills a lot of fear because language is a real uh, core root of cultural identity and it really shapes how you think, how you govern yourself, how you view the world, how you interact with one another, how you establish your relationship with the land because everything on the land has a name and a language and everything on the land is significant to a territory and to a, uh, a cultural group of people that identifies themselves through the land and so the land is like a textbook of knowledge of wealth of, of ancient understandings that um, we can really truly grasp if we understand or challenge ourselves to learn our languages. So what really motivates me is, is the, the idea of, or the vision, I guess, of saving our languages. Because according to the 2018 First Peoples uh, um, research on Indigenous languages, you know, in 2018, we had 98 fluent speakers. And we are now 2022. And we've had many fluent speakers passing since, and the numbers keep declining. And our language learners need to, you know, there's a lot of pressure on our language learners and our language teachers to learn, to teach, to pass on. And so I feel the need and the desire and the responsibility to be a part of that movement of revitalization of Indigenous languages, of our languages and even advocate for other Indigenous languages. I know that the United Nations actually put its serious problems on board and give like 10 goals for the language revitalization. So what do you think that we, as a community member, as a student, uh, what we can do to, I'm not saying help, but to protect your languages. To support. To support, yeah, your languages. It's really... Important. I don't. I don't think this only is a thing for the indigenous peoples, but also for, for example, for international students, for Canadians, for everyone, because this is a, like the treasure. This is a, like the culture is the treasure for like human beings. So, what do you think that we can do? I believe that what we can do is number one, creating awareness becoming allies of Indigenous peoples, especially for revitalization of Indigenous languages, learning about the significance of languages, 
enrolling into learning from the land courses, taking up the opportunity to build your extra credential credits around Indigenous languages, uh, learning Shlatmukich, learning Shkwatmukchin, learning learning the uh, significance and the the visions of the Indigenous communities that Thompson Rivers Universities works with and engages mm-hmm. with. And I believe that um, creating awareness and being open to learning about that is itself uh, an action. And becoming an ally is not just um, learning it and walking away. Becoming an ally is becoming involved and educating and sharing and publicizing and promoting the importance and significant values of Indigenous languages. Like this podcast is one example. There needs to be more, we need to do more work in regards to publicizing, promoting, advertising, and advocating for Indigenous languages. And I really believe that we need to build a strong um, language revitalization strategic plan within the work that we are doing here at Thompson Rivers University. And within our own Indigenous communities, we need to start looking at what it is that we can do to provide and support language revitalizations. What can I do personally, on a personal level? What can I do as a student? What can I do as a community member? And what can I do to support those who are working on Indigenous revitalization language initiatives? Yeah, definitely. What do you think the education systems should Play, like what, what kind of a role that our systems should play in this process? Oh, I really believe that we need to build a, a robust language program. We need to establish partnerships and work with our Indigenous communities on developing and implementing a language revitalization strategic plan. We need to start to create and develop more language language courses where students can continuously progress from uh, receiving their certificates to their um, to a degree, a minor, associate arts degree, to establishing and obtaining a degree in their languages. We need to develop more language learning courses. We have some language learning courses here. However, we need to develop more. We need to provide more. And I really believe that we have a beautiful, wonderful Learning from the land and that program that's the, that's provided for graduate students. However, I really believe that students in undergraduate programs would benefit from a learning from the land course as well in their departments. And I think that that should be something that should be made available and should be provided to undergraduate students as well. Providing these opportunities for graduate and undergraduate students would help to also provide significant support to the importance of Indigenous knowledge of teaching and learning, as well as Indigenous ways, and even learning from the land also incorporates the values and teachings of language. And so I think that these are some of the things that uh, we could do in in our institution and Mm -hmm. in regards to the Indigenous communities. Indigenous communities should be really looking at making sure that they develop language strategic plans and implement them and establish the necessary partnerships to deliver them and to incorporate them and make sure that the stepping stones are progressing from one level to the next level so that we can actually establish fluency and that there's continuous growth 
for the students learning language and that learners are actually acquiring the language, not um, focused on rote memorization or standardized, standardized tests, but where students can actually learn the structures, the grammars, the rules of, of Indigenous languages because many Indigenous languages have so many rules and grammar that are a lot different than any other languages. So it can be very complex. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember that you said like language is the foundation of the indigenous culture and identity. Learning through the language is an important way of lifelong learner to engage uh, for not only the informal learning but also the formal learning. So you, you talk about like learning from the culture events, learning from like uh, uh, dance and all the beautiful music that you give giving to us in the classes and those can become like a lifestyle this is like a part of the informal learning but a formal learning is more like uh, we, we should provide it more classes and more language teaching indigenous language teaching classes in the school so that could like help indigenous people to more engaging and to realize who they really are the identity is so I think it's really important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that we are really trying to take a look at and acknowledging in regards to the truth and reconciliation calls to action on indigenous languages. And that is really primarily to be able to provide opportunities for students to be able to obtain credited language courses or to be able to learn their language or to see their identities in the curriculum and their content with up-to-date content that is relevant, that is culturally respectful, and adheres to the values of the Indigenous peoples concerned. And when we think about Indigenous languages, yes, we can take a role in regards to language revitalization within our institutions, but communities also need to take that role and responsibility as well and be involved in that language planning or provide ample support or guidance to education institutes so that we may be able to establish healthy working relationships. And I really believe that that's, that's, that's the path that needs to be taken. We need to work and establish healthy relationships with our Indigenous communities um, whether it's Shwatmuk, Shwatmuk, whether it's in Tukatmuk or Shlatmuk or Skil, like any of the indigenous communities that we are associated with, we need to start looking at and identifying what are the values, what are the needs, identifying what are the barriers, and then taking a look at how can we remove the barriers so that we may be able to establish healthy working relationships and start to take action in regards to language revitalization or indigenous teaching and learning so that we can increase education outcomes, make it culturally relevant and up to date and making it more uh, reflective of how we can build sustainability. Speaking of the barriers, like what kind of like the most, what, what kind of like challenges that you think we may face during this process? The barriers, barriers, barriers of Indigenous language learning is accessibility. The accessibility of the courses, the accessibility of the timing. Many students are working full time during the day, so they can't enroll into classes during the day, or the teacher works during the day and has to take 
uh, additional time to teach language classes in the evenings. Other barriers are lack of teachers, lack of educators that know the language, that can teach the language, that are qualified to teach the languages. And other barriers are financial barriers, the costs for students to enroll into language classes to study and learn or relearn their own indigenous languages. You know, that's a barrier. Uh, registration, enrollment is also a barrier. Accessibility of being able to access language courses. Some students just want to enroll into TRU or any institute just to learn their language, not to enroll into any program or department or to complete any other degree or, or any other credentials, but to study their language. So these are some of the barriers. Transportation is a barrier. Um, Childcare is a barrier. When you think about the accessibility of it, COVID was a barrier. Yes, so everything went on to on online. So we were always online for the first semester. And then, you know, periodically <laughs> the numbers were fluctuating between students online to face-to-face because of COVID. And so all of these different things became barriers in regards to how we can learn and teach and acquire language. And these are things that are, you know, they're, it's become a huge part of, you know, how do we remove these barriers? It's like peeling an onion one layer mm-hmm. at a time, right? And I think that the other barrier is that um, lack of knowledge awareness. People are not aware of, of uh, language courses that are being delivered. So how do we create awareness about these are the courses that you can take at Thompson Rivers University. These are the courses that you can obtain to receive your certificate or your minor in, mm-hmm. in languages, or this is where it can continue to build and grow into. And so these are, these are barriers because there is lack of awareness, lack of understanding, a lack of, of the resources or accessibility. And so when we think about these barriers, you know, we need to start looking at how do we remove these barriers and how do we start to create more awareness and um, provide more insight about what is available here for Indigenous mm-hmm. languages. And not only that, but how do we create more opportunities for language learning and implement it in other areas of the university? You know, so we need to, we need to make it more visible. We need to make it more accessible. From what you taught us in our classes, I remember that you are not only mentioned about the universities, but also the K to twelve education programs. And what do what do you think if the indigenous language courses get involved in those public like secondary school? What will what it be look like? Well, indigenous languages actually are being taught in public schools. So in Chatham Nation, in our territory, language is taught in the K to twelve program. And language is taught in various other communities within indigenous communities in BC. However, we're not producing enough fluent speakers. Mm-hmm. So the teaching practices and then the pedagogy that's been implemented in a lot of the public schools is not very successful and students are not very responsive to that. And part of that is a lot of it is condensed time. Yeah. So that condensed timing is a barrier. You have 20 minutes of language twice a week or 30 minutes max or something like that. And so a large percentage of the time teachers are spending a great deal of time classroom management because they're children, for one. Number two, it's a limited time. Number three, 
because it's a limited time and, and limited availability and access of language learning or teaching and learning, then students aren't receiving that maximized potential of acquiring the language. And so these are barriers. You know, we haven't produced any fluent speakers within our territory through the K-12 system like ever. And when we think about that and you really want to question the situation of that, you know, it goes back to, you know, languages really rooted and connected in the community and in the land and needs to be taught in a manner where it becomes more naturalized, whereas Mm -hmm. it not being taught as a subject and, you know, like science and math and geometry, these are all taught by subjects. And within that subject, you learn these specific, you know, content and information. Whereas language, you know, language is so immersed in our cultural practices and in our songs and our dances and the medicines and our hunting and our harvesting and our seasonal rounds and our storytelling and all these other entities and how we relate and communicate to one another. And when we remove all these barriers of subjects, then we're more open to, to uh, acquiring language as opposed to here, here's a, here's a man and here's a woman. You know, and you know, the man, the boy, the woman, etc. And so when we start to break things down into subjects, we're taking away that value and that meaning of, of uh, acquiring a language. And it's, they spend more time learning a language as if it was English class, as opposed to it being an opportunity to, to acquire a language. So do you have any advice for those people who want to learn or relearn their own languages? Like whether what what stage and what levels they're at? Everybody, well, as beginner language speakers, you know, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of patience. But most of all, it takes consistency. And that consistency is so important. You know, you can take an introduction course, learning Schlatnum sounds, symbols, or any indigenous language sounds and symbols, learning the different sounds and symbols of, of an indigenous language to build in your vocabulary. But you can't learn a language just by learning a thousand vocabulary words. You actually have to learn the building blocks of how you can put them together. And you can't learn a language on rote memorization. You cannot learn a language by memorizing phrases and greetings and statements. You actually have to learn how you have to build these sentences together with in suffixes, end suffixes, pre-suffixes, adjectives, determiners, you know, all of these different things that play a key role in how you build languages and how to create sentence structures. You want to acquire the language not memorize the language because if you were to memorize a language and you engage with somebody that's a fluent speaker or a speaker and you've only mastered rote memorization there is no way that you're going to be able to have a conversation or to even engage into a conversation and be responsive to somebody who's trying to speak to you in the language whereas if you learn the grammar and the structure of language as you're learning a language then you'll be more aware of what's being articulated and you'll be able to translate or understand to some degree what is being stated by the speaker. So acquire a language, 
Don't learn a language through rote memorization. Repetition is key. Consistency is, is always a lifelong, ongoing process for language learning. I consider myself an ongoing language learner. I'm still learning. I'm still acquiring. I'm still mastering. I'm still uh, revisiting. I'm still studying myself. And it's endless, you know. So it's a steady state process. Progress. So you take one course, you need to take another course. Then you need to take another. You need to take as many courses as you can, even if they're repeat courses. Even if you go back and say, oh, I already took this course, already spent time with this elder, already heard this story, listen to it again. Listen to it again. Take that course again. Because just because you took that course in the past, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the same content that was delivered the last time. Because it's always, curriculum is always developing, changing, especially for a language teacher myself. It's always going to be adapting, changing. I'll always be updating, applying new skills, new knowledge or strategies and in teaching languages mm-hmm. or even learning from the land courses, you know, trying to embed language in areas that could be included to help foster and support that retention of language. Yeah, there's always been a lifelong learning process. Even when I started to learning second language, I, I can, as a English as a second language speaker, I can completely feel that every time I practice, every time I compare it to the others. There are always like some new things that are coming up. So it is really important, as you said, to take that course, speaking with the elders, even though you already have, you've already spent time to listen to stories. But yeah, as also like what you said in the classes for the storytelling, every time you, you hear in like different stories or receiving the new things and giving the new concept. And so that story, right? Thanks. Yes. And at the end of this interview, um, I would like to, could you provide or like give me like three vocabularies that you think is most important in your language and in your culture? The three vocabulary words yeah. I would have to say comes from Tmuch, which is the land. Tmuch is the land. Uhuamuk is the people of the land, and Uhuamuk is the language the people of the land speak. And so each one of these words has a root word that comes from land, muk. And Tmuk, Uhuamuk, and Uhuamuk are all interconnected. One cannot sustain without another. You need a land that determines the cultural group of, indi- of an indigenous people. You need a language which is determined based on the land of the territory because the language that you speak comes from the land or the territory that you come from. So that shapes your culture, that shapes your identity, that shapes your values, your beliefs, your cultural practices of what kind of cultural group that you are or indigenous cultural group that you are because your cultural traditional practices are going to be based on your land, your territory. And then Ukwamuk, the people of the land, the people of the land are basically people that inhabit or live in that specific territory or region that has been identified. And so you can't have a language if you don't have a people. You can't have a territory if you don't have a land. You can't have, you know, you can't have an identity if you don't have an understanding of, you know, the land and the language and how significant that is because the language shapes a person's identity. 
if I were to, you know, I come here into, into Shwetmuk territory and people already know just by the way that I speak that I'm not from this territory. And if I were to travel over into, over the Rockies into the prairies, they would already know and recognize that I'm not from their traditional lands. I'm not from their territory. And so the land, the language, and the people is, a, is a determined through the language because that's what shapes their identity. So the Tmiuk, Upamiuk, and Upamiuch. So all three of those have that root word which comes from the land. So the land shapes the language. The land is the root of all. And so they always say that if we protect our land, you know, we will always have an opportunity for sustainability. Because when we're protecting our land, we're protecting our resources, the hunting grounds, the fishing grounds, the roots, the berries, the medicines, you know, all of the things that grow and slither, all the things that crawl, everything that's embedded in the land has a name in the language. Every noun on the land has a name in the language. And if we're protecting the land, the territory, then the people will always have a home, a place, a territory that they can identify to through their language, through their identity. But if we continue to degrade the land or, you know, not protect our resources and the natural habitat in its natural form, that's going to impact our culture. That's going to mm-hmm. impact who we are as Indigenous peoples, as Shvatnik people, and that's going to change our perception because we're no longer connected to the land. We're disengaged and disconnected. So we need to make sure that we take care of our land, take care of our language, and take care of our people. Mm-hmm so that our children, our younger generations, will have an opportunity to be able to identify who they are through their land, through their language, and through their territory. Yeah, it's always important to have those kind of identity and belongings and those connections with people, with languages, with the land, those connections representative who you are, who you are coming from, and what kind of makes you become. So that is still really important. And thank you, Laura, for joining this interview today. And I'm really glad to become one of your students. And I'm real, really glad to have you as my instructors in my Indigenous culture learning journey. And your motivations and your, I would say you definitely inspired me to look into that period furthermore. And as you said, bring awareness is the most important thing that we have to do from now we have to let more people to know what is important for indigenous people and what we have to do uh, whether in a TRU in a community in the Canadian community or in internationally so I think this is really important that's why we have this podcast and we want to explore and discuss this kind of topic with indigenous knowledge keepers and to share and learning it together as a learner. I am a learner. I'm learning from you. Um, you're sh- sharing your knowledge to me, to our audience, to everyone. And I think this is a really grateful experiences that I've ever had. I think our audience will have like a similar experiences. Thank you very much. The Indigenous podcast series speaks to issues of concern for Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people in Canada. If you are an Indian residential school survivor 
or you are the descendant of an Indian residential school survivor and feel that you would benefit from discussion with a counselor or someone providing support following this podcast, please call 1-800-721-0066, which is the Indian Residential School Survivor Society, and ask for support. Again, that number is 1-800-721-0066. To schedule a counseling appointment, if you're a student at Thompson Rivers University, you can drop in to the Faculty of Student Development Services, reception between 8.30 and 4, Monday to Friday in Old Main, 1631, or you can call 250-828-5023.